Welcome to the Boulder Bassoon Quartet Podcast. Uh, today we're going to continue a conversation that we started last week. And to get things going, my name is Brian. I'm Ethan. I'm Kent. I'm Michael. I've played a, a few new pieces, but they were, you know, everything I can remember was written by graduate students as part of a class or whatever. Um, none of which I bet actually saw the light of day outside of our little performance. When I was at Ithaca, I got the fill-in for my teacher because uh, Cornell University had a composition program, and I went over there and played for their basically their final exam, and it was conducted by Stephen Stuckey, who was the teacher, and he's been the composer in residence for groups like the LA Phil, and he's a real, real deal composer, big shot, very nice guy. And in the performance, there was one piece that we actually had to start three times because it wasn't going right. And like, I didn't play for the first, I don't know, 60 bars or something. So I was just sitting there and I could not tell the difference between when it was played correctly and when it was played incorrectly. And he would stop the piece and, okay, let's start again from the beginning. And we do it again. And there was an audience for this and everything. And I think the second time he stopped it, he turned to the audience and said, I'm so sorry, we're going to start this again and try it again. And again, I just didn't hear any kind of a difference. But I hope someday that... I get to come across a piece that instantly knocks my socks off and makes everybody in the orchestra go, hey, look at this, something new, something good, because I can't think of anything. So someplace out there, there's got to be some brilliant piece of music that, you know, in the last 50 years, that can live up to everything else, right? Right? Probably. I think you never really know until you're 50 years mm-hmm. out from it, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it seems like a lot of the stuff from the 1800s and the early 1900s, you know, part of it was the culture at the time where these composers were living celebrities. Right. And that doesn't really seem to happen today. Well, not as much in air quotes classical music scene, but there are other music scenes that... Mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking several, several weeks ago about what is the future of classical music. And but if you narrow it down to just something that involves an orchestra, what are you left with? Film scores. I do know, I do know several people who argue the film score thing, that, that say that, that is the, that's going to be classical music you know, as, as we move into the next 50, 100 years even. That's going to be the, the holdout. And it's analogous, because in previous generations, you've got your operas and you've got your ballets, and then you've got suites derived from the operas and the ballets, and it it makes sense. I've seen a a suite derived from There Will Be Blood, performed by a number of orchestras. That's a good film score. Who is that composer? Johnny Greenwood, a guy from Radiohead. Yeah. Which uh, gives me... Conflict because I do not <laughs> care for Radiohead. That's another question. As I understand it, Johnny Greenwood is not the singer in Radiohead, right. and he's he's my biggest gripe. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard the Reggie Watts? I'm sorry, I've, Tom York. I've got such feelings. <laughs> he he has a song that he does called "I'm Sorry, Tom York," and that's like all it is. He does this <laughs> drum beat, and then he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of <laughs> moans for five minutes or so. <laughs> well, this the score to "There Will Be Blood" is excellent. It really added a lot to the movie. Um, 
the guy who did the music for the new Star Trek movies, they're kind of going on tour where they're going to play the film and the orchestra plays the music live. And I would totally love to go see that. That'd be great. And of course, movies pay the composers a lot, so all people who are good at writing music would want to do that. Right. And then if you do get your foot in the door and you break into it, uh, I would imagine the allure of it is so strong you wouldn't have the time or maybe even the interest to write a, quote, serious piece for orchestra, unless you're John Williams. Because how many other composers do that? Because John Williams has his concert pieces, but you don't, you don't see Symphony Number no. 1 by Hans Zimmer. I think he understands that he's not good <laughs> and uh, sticks to what he can make a lot of money at. Alexander Desplat, who wrote the music for a lot of stuff, like the recent Godzilla movie and Grand Budapest Hotel, he's got some concert pieces. The guy who did the music for The Matrix, Don Davis, yeah, he's got some concert pieces. And and he's pretty, kind of a minimalistic composer, right? That's kind of his style. I think it's more like just flat out weird, and yeah. I don't know what category to call it, avant-garde. I don't think it's quite minimalistic, but it's uh, what I've heard. It was pretty weird. Somebody made this CD recently of piano music written by film composers, but it's not movie music. So it's the CD that I got is called Montage, Film Composers and the Piano, music by Michael Giacchino, Alexander Desplat, John Williams, Randy Newman, and Bruce Bowden. I don't know who that guy is. Oh, and there's a piece by Don Davis as well. It's a good CD. Summertime rolling down the pipes. The kids are out of school. They'll be sitting around, getting in your hair. You're gonna have to find something to keep them occupied. I suggest perusing the wide catalog available at forestmusic.com. There are dozens of method books, so your student bassoonist can learn a little bit of technique over the summer. There's read-making supplies, recordings, instructional videos, and more. pieces is there anything you can look at with those pieces and say this is why yeah now that's that's the other thing I wondered about a lot because thinking about the new classical pieces that I've played in orchestras and stuff like that it's mostly just been kind of like usually it tends to be a pretty hard bassoon part they, they the ones that I've played they tend to really know the instrument um, or maybe not so well um, and so they'll make the part super difficult and so it's just I gotta get through the through the part but there's no I, I never really had a sense that like oh this is gonna this particular piece is gonna blow up mostly because it's not like I don't think of most orchestra pieces like blowing up in terms right. of popularity and it doesn't seem to happen these days so much whereas in Be you know Beethoven 4 maybe maybe it would 
Maybe that was a more real possibility. What was the last piece for orchestra that blew up? Yeah, that's good. Right of Spring? Surely there must have been something in the last hundred years that, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was a big oh, one. Oh, sure. Um, Shostakovich. Yeah, Shostakovich. Shostakovich 5, uh, Appalachian mm-hmm. Spring. Um, yep. All right, so we're making our way to the 30s. <laughs> now, I heard for the first what about time... Anything about John Williams, I mean... Well, that, that that's kind of a... Killing your point? No, but it's uh, it kind of... you got to put like an asterisk next to it, because mm-hmm. without the movies, how much of his music would you ever yeah. have heard? What about uh, John Carigliano? Um, He's had some interesting stuff, like that uh, Circus Maximus symphony we did. Oh. I did not care for that. I liked that piece a lot. I thought that was a really cool piece. Did you plan it? Yeah, I was the contra guy. But the symphony number one, though, before that. But like this doesn't hit. That that doesn't come anywhere near to like you know masterworks thing like a Beethoven symphony or Rite of Spring. It's not on that level. Um, Short ride in a fast machine or the harmony lyra. What are the pieces by John Adams? Maybe Philip Glass. Sure. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, Can we edit that out? out? <laughs> <laughs> um, knock, knock. Who's there? Philip Glass. Oh, no, wait. I, I, okay, I already screwed it up. <laughs> this is why you don't do this unrehearsed. Okay, if Philip Glass told a knock-knock joke, how would it go? Knock-knock. Who's there? Knock-knock. Who's there? Knock-knock. Who's there? Knock-knock. Who's there? Yeah, you get the idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it seems to change ever so slightly. I don't think you enjoy Philip Glass enough. There's a piece that came out recently called Become Ocean, written by a composer. I think his name is John Luther Adams. I'm not sure about that. And I've been surprised that I've heard more than one person talk about it over the last year. It won... Pulitzer, I think. Really? One something. Now, I just recently heard uh, Rushes for Seven Bassoons by Michael Gordon. Have you guys heard this? I've heard, I've heard parts uh-huh. of So it. I've sat and listened to it two or three. It's like an hour long. And so these seven bassoonists come out, and they each, uh, they each have an earpiece so that you can hear a click track. Uh, and then they just play for an hour straight. Uh-huh. And if you can imagine uh, the ambient music, you know, you guys know what that is. It's yeah. just kind of like real quiet, highly repetitive, uh, slowly changing kind of music. That's exactly what these seven bassoonists are doing. And so this piece unfolds over an hour. And like you were saying, over time you start to hear these slight differences. But that, I think, won, like, it was one of the albums of the year or something, like either last year or the year before. I I still don't think that's blowing up on any... Did you like the piece? You know, I didn't mind it. And like the... (laughs) I think I've listened to it three times... Well, well it's not yes. generally my favorite style of music, yeah, you know, yeah. to hear ambient music and to say, and to now you're going to sit down and concentrate and listen to an hour of ambient music, which is basically seven bassoons going, and that's kind of the whole. Do you guys remember Darken the Song? Yeah. Um, Darken the Song is a uh, contemporary bassoon, their website says Contemporary Bassoon Collective. When we met them, they were a quartet. They'd started working with uh, amplification and stuff, but we met them in Ithaca or in... Oklahoma. They were in Norman. Tempe with us. Okay, they actually played on a rooftop yeah, bar that, that one night. That's the one, yeah, yeah. At any rate. The other thing I wanted to say is just an anecdote. When I was an undergraduate, 
one of the guys in the class, he did some research and he found a piece called Lirio by Harold Budd that apparently was written in Guadalajara, Mexico uh, in the 1970s, I guess, on a cocktail napkin. And the entire score was under a blue light, roll softly on a gong for a very long time. (laughs) Period. And so Greg had done some research and found that some of these performances of Lirio had lasted for more than 24 hours. And that was how we ended the the program. Um, Small town, small college, so we managed to get permission to just leave the doors unlocked. Um, And it was pretty cool. Um, Reminds me of what you're talking about, about the ambient nature. But the thing that struck me about uh, being in this performance, aside from it just being a very unusual concert experience, was the the three-dimensionality of the acoustics. And there's a lot of weird washing sounds that seemed as if you could kind of hear a particular pitch in the in the wash of gong roll change directions and like start on your left and kind of roll past you and behind you within the context of the gong being on stage. You were high as a kite, weren't you? I was not high as a kite. (laughs) None of this actually happened. (laughs) No, I was not high as anything. It was, it was really interesting. I recommend it. You guys should check it out. You know what that sound means? It's time to play What's on Kent's iPhone. Oh, forgot all about that. Yeah. You forgot about my favorite game in the world? You've hurt my feelings. Well, it's my favorite game too, Mike. Now, as Kent sifts through his gargantuan Apple product, let's go around the table and take a guess as to what we might be treated to today. Last time, as I remember, we got some twirling music, right? Music for twirlers. Well, today, uh, I'm going to guess that uh, we'll head back to the realm of classical music and it'll be, uh, let's go again with Strauss, something by Strauss. Staples? I'm going to go something something in like the 70s rock genre. I don't think I can get more specific than that. I just, I'm feeling like a 70s rock vibe. I was, actually, I was thinking like Simon and Garfunkel, okay. which is not right. quite 70s, I guess that's more 60s, but and it's not really rock. Were they 60s? Were they that early? Oh, yeah. I thought they were 70s. Uh, or was that by the time Paul Simon they was were, on his own? They were uh, one of the acts at the Monterey Pop Festival in 67. Uh-huh. Well, are you guys satisfied? All right, here we go. So this is by the jazz pianist Brad Meldow. Oh yeah. From his album Places. This is Perugia. I probably mispronounced it. Read this guy? Yeah, I love Brad Meldow. He's a classically trained pianist who went into jazz. So he brings a a definite uh, academic kind of approach to jazz, but it's it's cool. Well, there you go. This has been another installment of What's on Kent's iPhone. Let's take a quick listen to... Let's see if we can think of something written by a film composer 
that's not film music or yeah. is something with the bassoon what about other than the fire sacred trees I don't think I have it but um, in the soundtrack to the original Star Wars in the scene where C-3PO is walking across the desert um, on Tatooine I think right before he gets picked up by the, the big Jawa sand crawler thing there's a bassoon solo that's kind of reminiscent of um, part two from Rite of Spring ties the room together no that's no. the that's the imperial theme for that movie it's like a tuba yeah um, yeah there's a whole section that's very it's full of double reeds and it's it's very right of spring like so uh, alright we'll listen to some of that here's some music from Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> 